I am unashamed. What about you? We're back. Yeah, I, last time I was here, you uh, had a problem with moths. Oh, yeah. And I the... wonder if that's changed since you've had this alien invasion at your house. I hate to launch that rocket again, but let's uh, launch the, the rocket. This moth is status. It's weird that you asked me that because so I was gone for four or five days. I come back and I had a I had a lot of problems getting back to my house. I shared some of that last podcast. You know, no bag. When I left, there was a train that was dead stopped. I turned around and I had to get groceries because I'm like, there's no groceries. And so by the time I get home, my thought the whole time was, when I walk into that pantry, mm. will there be moths? So I walk in. I mean, I didn't even bring the groceries in. The dogs are running around. They miss me. I'm just going to that pantry. So I opened the door, turned the light on, and there was one big one just <laughs> just on the side of the wall. So of course, I took my hat, whap, and he stuck to the wall. Dead. He was killed instantly, so he didn't suffer. And so I left him there because I thought, I want to just put a message out here. Yeah. I'm back. Spook the other moths. Well, that's yeah. what I thought. So, I mean, that was only one. Yeah. But how many moths does it take to make a pantry unsatisfiable? <laughs> yeah. I would say. You had to. One. That's what Barney Five said. You got to nip it. Nip it in the nip bud. Nip it in the bud. Well, I'll tell you an interesting story. Interesting story while I was on vacation. And they, these two things that I'm going to tell you, they, they kind of go hand in hand with my life. It's because it just. It just shows you that when you think the answer to your problems in life is just moving locations, mm. that never that's never going to work. No, your you're taking, you. yeah, and your mm -hmm. personality. Yeah. So look, we go to this place. I mean, I, I mean, this there's a there, we're on an island here, mm -hmm. and one of the biggest houses, if not the biggest house on the island, my wife has rented. Mm. I mean, it has like multiple stories. You can see the ocean. You're looking at the whole island when you go up on the roof and you're just looking. So I was like, how much did this cost? Mm. And she said, let's talk about something else. But what I noticed was, as fantastic as this place was, we're playing a game, you know, the family, all my kids, you know, we're playing this game and it was basically kind of a silly game. But you ask a question and then you have all these answers and you submit your answer. You're trying to be funny. It, the game was about trying we to be funny. We played the same game you, last You week. put answers. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And so we're playing this game, but as when it, the first night we're there, and it got right about when the sun was setting, somebody just let out a scream. Hmm. And uh, I looked down where there's a roach <laughs> crawling, you know, toward my daughter. Well, then everybody, it's like the game ends. Now, the game, the pieces are up in the air. People are scrambling, you know, and guess what they're, guess what they're saying? Get him, Jace. Because this is my area. You're the, you're the road of, slayer. It, you're yeah. the slayer of all. So what, yeah. Thanks. What I didn't realize is that was only a sign of things to come. <laughs> that place was literally infested oh, with man. thousands man. of roads. Yeah, the whole time we were there. Mm. So I spent most of the van vacation killing roaches, <laughs> yeah. which is what I do. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you how bad it was. My son makes this awesome de dessert. It's like a peach cobbler. But Did you recommend to the people who rented you this 
piece of real estate mm-hmm. yeah. that they have maybe a, a, a yeah. van come up and yeah. spray. Well, yeah. Missy around. said, trust me, I will send them an email, you know, yeah. but we, we got through it and it gave me something to do. And I felt like, you know, I have a certain set of talents. I'm just curious as that, what, what was the method of, of extinguishment of these there's these actually pest, pestilence. I'll tell you this. Calls it. Uh, this, this place had high ceilings. And so my number one method, and look, there's a video. I will get this video that my wife took that I didn't know she was filming (laughs) of me. And this is not trick photography. I took my hat off and there was a roach near the ceiling. I would say it was probably a 12 to 15 feet throw. And I took my hat off my head and, and used it like a throwing dart and just bam, got the roach. And my wife got it on video. I said, you need to post that. That'll go viral. You're like an aborigine with a boomerang uh, hat. I'm know? an air. I, did, it, yeah. did it come right back and land on your head? No, it fell off oh, and yeah. I checked it for collateral damage. I did wash it after that. And uh, so, you know, it was a part of me was kind of, it was a bummer that we had roaches crawling everywhere. But then, it, you know, it made me shine because that is one of my skill sets. <laughs> <laughs> but my my practical application to that was is I mean we're in Hebrews and you're talking about putting your faith and trust in what you see in the material mm-hmm. universe. I mean you could have said, "Oh boy, we're here." I mean if we had to put our faith and trust in this establishment, there was one big problem. Roaches. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a great place to hide, and uh, they it, it had been infested. But I just thought, isn't that how life is? You think well, you, you spend made, all this you made money? a great point when you when you started talking about this. You said you can, you know if you try to move away from your problems, you can't move away from your problems. You just kind of take them with you. Same thing, and that's yeah. the whole point I think of of what what Jesus is trying to get us to do. You can't run away from yourself. Exactly, He's begging you to come to the end. Of yourself. That leads me to my second story. Yeah. So the next we morning we get up, we're going to just a, I mean, fancy, smancy, swanky golf course. Mm. I mean, you could, you could literally eat your meal off the green or the fairway. Wow. No plate needed. And you'd feel good about it. That's how I nice this place was. I have a feeling that the golf, co- golf club was not roach infested. Is that what you're saying? It's not roach infested, but here was the problem. So my son, my we, so we send our clubs. Of course, mine are still gone, and uh, we you know they're lost. And if you have them, it is wrong to steal. <laughs> and I want those back. But anyway, so my son, he says we're on the way to the golf course, and he went because he's he's messing around. We in this big rented vehicle, and he's back there trying to get his golf clubs. I guess, taking a look at him, whatever he's doing, messing around in the back. I mean, all I'm seeing in the rearview mirror is his back, and he's over messing around. He's like, uh, Dad, I think we have a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, when my air, my when my, uh, let me start over. When my golf bag went through security, there was a lock to the case mm-hmm. that was in the bag that I've never used. But when they checked it, they took that lock and locked my bag. And I said, well, why is that a problem? He said, I don't have a key. Wow. (laughs) 
So that's why I said when you leave and go on vacation, your problems go with you. Because now we're at one of the greatest golf courses I've ever seen in my life. And we have clubs. We have our own clubs. My son, his has been locked without his doing. Yeah, you 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 end up with problems you didn't know you even had. You didn't even know you had it. Yeah. And so I said, well, you never, you should have thrown that lock away. So we got into about a five-minute argument on why the lock is even in the oh, vicinity. Yeah. Because when you lock something up, people then think it's valuable. Yeah. If you just yeah. went like I did, wouldn't it be a problem? Although my clubs are now missing, which is, I think... <laughs> Me being punished for saying you should never lock. <laughs> Woulda, shoulda, golf. coulda is yeah. come to. It's like the boomerang hat. It comes right back to you. However, yeah. <laughs> this has a happy ending because one of the other qualities. I have very few good qualities. One is I'm good at pest control. Two, I'm good at destroying things. Mm. If it if it requires destruction. Mm. Like, I can tear up anything. Yeah, we're we're picking so, to rip into bags now. We, I said, here's what you do. I mean, I got a knife. We'll, I mean, we started, my son, my other son, who's driving a vehicle, he, he was fixing to pull into a uh, chainsaw place. Oh. And I was like, oh, I think that's too graphic. I, I, I think it's also embarrassing that if we have to go buy a saw, I said, I don't want to buy a saw because I can't put that in my carry-on, and I'm not going to leave it here. So he's like, okay, I was just trying to solve the problem. I was like, I think three grown men can destroy this case. (laughs) And so we basically, uh, I'll give my son credit. He just just fueled all his anger and frustration toward that lock. And uh, he skinned his hand up a little bit, but not severe. And he destroyed the lock by the time we got to the golf course, which I thought was pretty impressive. I was, is. I was really proud of him it in is. that moment. So you guys collectively decided, you know, it's always like use the right tool for the job. A chainsaw was maybe not the right. Proper, I was thinking proper. sledgehammer, hammer. We were going to stop at a convenience store and borrow a hammer. Because when you're like, what do you do? I was like, well, everybody has a hammer. Yeah. And, uh, but he took something and just started beating and then he started prying and he destroyed a lock, which then started a five minute conversation on why would you have a lock that was so easily destroyed <laughs> if somebody wanted it? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's why I'm saying this. You spent too much time in the yuppie world up there in the subdivision. <laughs> You go to some mansion with an island and my bag's locked up. Those kind of things I'm never going to deal with, ever. That's it. I'm not going, Jay. But, Phil, that's your deal, is you don't realize that vacation is really not some getaway to some fake reality. Right. You have the same problems when you go. It's not a fix-all. You still got to get along with people. I mean, I guarantee you it's just as easy to have a knockdown drag out with your wife at home as and it all is that on going vacation. On, all that going on, if you got the bag, I mean, the, the, the people lost my bag, we're tearing up this bag. The whole time that's going on, I'm down there at the house, at the end of the road, behind the gate, drinking a glass of tea, saying life is good. That's it. Battling rats instead of roaches. But I just have a, a salt, little salt gun. Yeah. You, know, you put the salt in. Yeah. You got a pattern. I'm just sitting there, moth flies by. Chooey. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Awesome. Same problem, though. That's what I'm saying, no matter I'm where you go. I'm just better prepared. You have yeah. way more ammo and a lot easier to get them because you got a pretty good spray shot out there. 
So yeah. that's how I get the flying and, and, moth. Yeah, you know, we was talking the last podcast, podcast about technology and all that kind of stuff. And, and we try to come up with these things. So I need a lock or I need this or that to try to fix my problems. A lot of times we become slaves to whatever uh, that, we, that we that create to fix the problem. And then we, it just kind of builds this on is it. By the way, who invented, the... who invented the golf game? <clears throat> Do you have any idea? Scotland. 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 Which, which is our, our heritage. We're yeah. So, Phil, you need to take back everything you've said about people who play it's golf. It's your heritage. Yep. We were known for the Robertsons, we asked, and they told us that when we visited where we came from, we were told that we were, we were more infamous, famous for jam makers, jelly and jam. Yeah. And storytellers. And, and you're still making jam and telling fierce, stories. Our whole little mantra when they uh, picture, you know, fierce when roused. That was one of <laughs> that was it. Fierce when roused. <laughs> that was Robertsons. our family mantra. Well, it's, it's Don't get them a, stirred up. Scottish coat of arms kind yeah. of a thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But the guy said, did we leave a good name there? And he said, mm, both good and bad. <laughs> both good and bad. You know, he had that yeah. skirt on, you know, telling yeah. him, well, well, do, was our name uh, violated or did we leave a good name? Yeah. He said, mm, both good and bad. So, yeah. Have you ever gone down the kilt, the kilt road with the whole Scottish thing? You know, that's the one part of my history that I'm not a big fan of. Because <laughs> the weather was rough and I'm yeah. like, yeah. I mean, we wore them one day. The TV people talked us into it, but I was like, whoo. It's a little yeah. bit airish yeah. with the kill. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, being in, from the fire service, you know, the, the the whole Scottish influence, the bagpipes and all that, you know, I mean, those, no, those, I are, get it. those are just so sacred to firemen. But yep. I kind of uh, I kind of yeah. like the house concept to, yeah. to quote a famous philosopher. My favorite. Uh, My boys need a house, <laughs> you know. My yeah. favorite. Oh, I, okay. yes, I'm yeah. seeing what you're saying. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a break. One of the things we've learned from the uh, recent rulings from the Supreme Court is uh, you don't get wins uh, by just being on your own. You know, it takes a group, it takes people, uh, you know, letting their views be known. It takes companies uh, like Patriot Mobile, uh, which uh, supports this podcast, uh, to fight passionately on behalf of things that matter to us. And when it comes to constitutional rights, uh, religious liberty, the rights of the unborn. Uh, this is one uh, company that uh, puts their money where their mouth is. And so Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider. And they've been on the front lines fighting for our values, what we believe in. So that was what makes them different, especially in the world that they're in. Inflation has made it really hard on many Americans. And so they have uh, plans that will fit any budget. They've got uh, the same as all the nationwide coverage of all the major carriers. You're going to get great customer service. Uh, and remember, they fight for the same rights that you love. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Use the offer code Phil to get free activation. And remember, if you're a veteran or a first responder, you're going to get even more discounts. So check them out, patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Uh, my favorite thing with dad is that dad's always like, whatever it is that you're having problems with, his answer is, that's why I never do that. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, that my whole point, I was trying to make a spiritual analogy here that life is difficult whether you stay at home or yeah. go on vacation. It's not a fix-all. You still have to you know, deal with difficulty yeah. and per- endeavor to persevere. But it got it got lost somewhere in the You know, story. I I'm, I made the uh, I made that idea that because I never did that. I was talking to Kathy the other day and we were talking about, you know, Jesus was tempted in all things. Yep. Uh, and when it comes to our identification <clears throat> in Christ, can I really come up with a scenario in my life that Jesus cannot relate to? And I don't think we can. That's, I think no. that's why yeah. he came at the time that he did, because that was really kind of the the height of, of human existence, what it meant to be human. Uh, we have lost a lot of that because we go to the grocery store to get food. You know, we have all of these things that we, that we depend on. Um, but he stepped into that moment, but Jesus in understanding that process and how we relate to that was not necessarily defined by the things that he did. It was what he refused to do. He he refused you know, to extinguish a smoldering wick. He refused to bow down and worship Satan in all, you know, this whole thing. He refused uh, the glory uh, of mankind. He refused uh, to be well thought of and, and, and get his, uh, at least in, 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 his, in his flesh, uh, part of his, you know, divine and physical nature. He did not uh, hold what man thought about him uh, to be his his value mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and and I think by the same token uh, as we're talking about this response to faith as as it comes to understanding trust <clears throat> as we move from the idea of faith to the idea of trust and my trust is in the person of Jesus Christ it's in the character of God I need to be defined not by what I do but what I refuse to do. Mm-hmm. I am not going to bow down uh, to to what the world considers to be uh, the right thing to do, the data, the analysis and all of that. I'm going to well, live not I'm going to walk not by sight, but by by faith. Well, that's what you know, when you said that made me think of that one where Hebrews 11, where it says, because uh, you do a lot of mission work. But the point when it said in and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, when I went with you to uh, to Greece, and I've been, you know, I went to Ukraine and I've been to other countries. People know right off the bat before I say a word mm. that I'm not from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is immediate. Yeah. <clears throat> and then when I open my mouth and speak, mm. oh, it's like validation. 100 percent but it made me think that because even if i knew the language and even if i knew the culture they're always going to view me as a stranger or or, or a foreigner there but when you put that into your character of following jesus Mm -hmm. that's the way we should be in the world i mean in whatever setting you're in they should immediately know before you even say a word right it, it made me think of that story about uh, Billy Graham that time, I, if I can remember how that story went. But he he played golf with a guy who was, an, who was not a believer. He, he was an atheist. And the atheist was frustrated the whole time, didn't play well. And uh, so after the round, I mean, he's slinging his clubs around. And they're like, 
his buddies were were saying, well, what? Why did you know? Why was it so bad? And he's like, well, it was just. I mean, Billy Graham and his faith, and you know, in my face, and I just felt threatened and. So they were like, well, that doesn't sound like Billy Graham. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, like in your, I mean, yeah. you would expect him to share Jesus, but, right. and so then when they got down to what exactly he said, they said, what exactly did he say? And he's like, we actually didn't say anything. <laughs> and the point, the point of the story is he just felt guilty mm. about his life just from being in the vicinity of Billy Graham. You know, when he got to thinking about it, he was just nice. He was courteous. He played good. And I think that's the way we should be in the world. I mean, mm. we should we should be viewed by our character and the way we operate, not that we're going to be perfect all the time, but it's the way we come across as a foreigner and an alien. Right. Yeah. And then, in the I, world. That's what <coughs> Jesus Interesting is. little point here. Uh, all of the Gospels do it the same way, basically. <clears throat> but you read Matthew 16, and while Jesus was on the earth from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, Mm -hmm. and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised alive. Now, if you're running with a person and you're watching him grow, but all of a sudden, after knowing for about a year, a year and a half, he begins to say this over and over. Well, when Peter heard what he said, he took him aside and said, look, that's never going to happen to you. I mean, come on, you don't need to be talking like that. One of the charges that Jesus told him, and it is critical, out of my sight, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Mm. So the, the point being, if you live your life and you never get past your thinking about the things of men that coming from men. Right. You're in for a you're in for a tough ride. That's exactly right. You know? Going back going back to your your thoughts, I mean, both of your thoughts here, what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? This is Matthew five, six, and seven. You're salt and you're light in this world. You're like a city on a hill. You can't hide a city on a hill. You're you don't no one lights a lamp and then puts a bushel over it. You're walking around. So he tells them what's fixing to happen. Yeah. And then they brutalize him and did exactly what he said they would do. Right. I mean, it's it's just amazing. Yeah. I've heard it said that, you know, as we as we look at and we're making judgments all the time on <clears throat> authenticity in people's lives. And and I think that's what you're saying. What does it mean to be a witness in this world, to be salt, to be light? People are looking everywhere for authenticity. We were talking about this on the way out uh, as we drove out here, but people understand something authentic in a person and they can see the life of Christ in you. Uh, When you are, when, when you're, if you're running a religious game, you're not much of a witness. Yeah. When you are, when Jesus is your life and his life comes out of you, that's when salt and light begin to appear. Human beings, we're salt of the earth, but we're like this on our walk of faith. But with Jesus, just straight line, 
just straight line faith right. at all times, no matter what happened. And, he, pe- and people can see that authenticity in you. Yep. And that's what it is to bear a witness. It's not about being able to recite scripture. They see Jesus come out of you. I mean, if world, it's hard to believe modern day time, <clears throat> 2000 years since Jesus showed up, 2022, if it's hard for us to swallow the human race, mm-hmm. just think about going back to there and him being there and they the disciples you would have thought would be more but they didn't understand him either and they're with him every day exactly and they, they were still like trying to wrap their head around what what is going down here but but what they see Being jesus there. Do, so when we go like this we need to remember so did the disciples and they were with him right and why did they follow him because they saw something authentic in him. They saw a life that was not, you could not dispute it. And so the world is constantly squeezing us for one purpose, and that's to make us see our need for yep. Christ. Yep. And this, you're, you're, all your lives are living testimonies of that, is that you? It, the whole point is, uh, going back to this idea, it's not what I do, it's what I refuse to do. You can't run away from your problems. He wants me to come to the end of myself, to finally give up and say, I quit. And he's like, good. Now that you're out of the way, we can do something. Now, I'm struggling with my faith, uh, yeah. Mr. Robinson. I'm struggling with my faith. My faith is just, right. I said, so were the apostles. Exactly. And they were with him. Yeah. And so the world squeezes us to make us see our need for Christ. And then we come to Christ. Guess what the world does? They squeeze us to see what's going to come out. So it is good to see that when the book of Hebrews, it starts listing yeah. the people of faith. And you say, and they're all being squeezed. I like to see they're all being they, squeezed. See and, what they went through. I said, well, and right. what, what, what does it come out? And, and I used this illustration in Athens one time. Hang I'm on talking there. to a before, bunch of, okay. Before we do that, let's take a break. So Larry, can you think of anything that gets better the more you use it? Uh, absolutely. Your, uh, faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Yeah. See, I, I knew you would have That's a really good answer, along with a cast iron skillet. <laughs> this is one of the things that I love uh, as well. One of the things that gets better the more you use it is uh, one of our sponsors makes some uh, sheets uh, for your bed. And the more that you use them, the more you wash them, the softer that they get. I love this product. It's called Bowling Branch. Lisa and I have been using these sheets for years, way before they became a sponsor of the podcast, and they're fantastic. Uh, Jason and Missy use them as well. They're 100% free from toxins. That means no pesticides. They use the best threads ever, so you don't have to worry about this thread count stuff because if the threads are no good, the sheets are no good. Best of all, they give you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all orders, but you won't want to return them, trust me. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code Robertson at bowlandbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. Use the promo code Robertson, 15% off, and you're going to really get a good night's sleep. Isn't that funny that they don't give a 30-day warranty? They give a 30-night warranty because of sheets. Yeah. I'm using this illustration, and I take an orange, 
And I'm, I'm standing, I'm talking to about 400 people from Iran and Afghanistan. Do you have an actual orange in your an hand? An actual orange okay. in my I hand. Like before before I get up there, I'm, I'm using this illustration that the world is squeezing you, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it wants to see what comes out. But I've, I've kind of split this orange in half and I've taken the inside of the orange out. And I've put this kind of nasty black goo <laughs> on the inside and then kind of glued the thing back together. Really? And so I get up there and I start describing this orange. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's got this sweet and it's got this tangy. And when you bite into it, you know, and everybody's just salivating. Yeah. And I just go on and on about this orange. And then I squeeze it and this nasty black goo comes out and lands on the stage and everybody's horrified. And I'm like, it's not what the outside looks like. This is this yeah. is what religion does. Yeah. And then and this is what Jesus is saying. You said you guys are full of dead men's bones. Your whitewashed tombs on the outside, wash the inside of the cup. Yeah. That's what they asked. That was the text I was preaching out of. But the idea is that when I come to Christ, people are going to squeeze me harder than the world did before because they want to see what comes oh, out. Exactly. And I when people we're all going to get squeezed. We're all going to have problems. We're all going to have struggles. And the true test, the measure of my faith is what, when I'm squeezed, and, you know, I can, I can, I can deceive everybody in my life. Uh, I always say what I am at my worst moment is really my true condition. Because I can act right, you know, and everything else. When my kids were little, they had these little Legos and cars all over the floor. To come out at three in the morning because you hear a noise in the house and you hit those barefoot and you're walking on that, what's coming out of your mouth in that moment? Yeah. Exactly. So you're being squeezed. There's you're, you're naked before God here. Yeah. And so how do we react to the world being squeezed? And the whole point, the, the what Jesus is trying to do, in, in his heavenly discipleship of me is trying to remove everything about me and pour his life into me. He's trying to get me to get rid of my kingdom, my image, you know, my, my strength, my religion, so that he can give me his kingdom, his glory, his image, his life, his strength in me. It is, it's the idea that I need to become less and he becomes more. And don't yeah. you like the, this uh, contrast that the dad read that text? And a lot of times people will read that and they'll say, man, I mean, I'm sure that hurt Peter's feelings. That was pretty harsh, you know, because for him to say that mm-hmm. to Peter, yeah. and you know how much he loved it. But if you think about it, it really wasn't harsh. It really was grace because he wasn't saying, you know, Peter, you're Satan. He was saying that's he was speaking directly to Satan because that's where that thought comes from. The idea that Jesus wasn't going to complete the plan that he came with. Remember when Satan tempted him, what did he try to tempt him with? Alter the plan. You know, and and scripture, his own words. He tried to use his own words against him. Exactly. So I I love that because in the same Mm -hmm. context, when he asked him, who do people say I am? And Peter's the one that jumps in and says, you're you're the son of the living God. He says, bless you. Mm -hmm. And then when Peter tries to, to, to make the point that Satan's trying to make, he says, whoa. So there's a contrast there that Christ's plan mm. is always better, but the voice of Satan is the one you don't want to listen to. So I've always loved that because it seems so harsh, but really it's just Jesus identifying that when you try to go against the plan of Christ, then you're not mm-hmm. doing his bidding. You're doing the bidding for Satan, which is, you know, fire. Right. I, I, I've always thought of that is here's Jesus and he's standing face to face with Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. 
and who he's talking to, what what is happening? Here's Jesus, here's Satan in the middle, and there's Peter. Yep. And he didn't say, Satan, get behind Peter, because Peter would have just had Satan on his back at that point. He said, get behind me, because Peter couldn't see Jesus. And so we walk around in this world, we got our problems on one hand, and we got Jesus on the other, and we're walking like this, and I'm focused on all my problems, all my fleshly things, and I'm trying to use my faith to fix mm. my problems, and what I need to do is simply do this. Now I have Christ on this hand, and my problems are there. They're always going to be there, but they don't overwhelm me because I can see Jesus. I don't have my problems in between me and Christ. That's why he kept repeating, we're going up to Jerusalem. You know, that was Matthew 16. You turn one page, he says the same thing. You turn on the other page, he says the same thing. Well, you keep reading, and you finally get to where that's what he did. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm going to die. They're going to take me up there, and then they're going to, with the help of the Gentiles, Roman up, they're going to kill me. In three days, I'll be raised from the dead. He said it over and over and over, then did it, and he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Right. Go. Right. And that's Second Corinthians 13. The rest Surely is, he was rest crucified in weakness, mm. but it is the power of God that comes through death. Yep. Resurrection life is only available to those who have died. Yep. That's what we don't, we, we're still trying to save our own lives through religion yeah. and all external things. And it's like, finally, just give up and let me, you know, unless you give up your life, you're never going to have my life in you. Yeah, that's and what so, it gets back down yeah. to this life. What was you going to say, Al? I was going to say that's why you quote it all the time, that one of your favorite thoughts is fix your eyes on Jesus, which mm -hmm. which yeah. is this idea of the invisible. We can't even see him physically on the earth, and yet we're constantly being told to fix our eyes on him. And I thought about mm -hmm. when Larry made that point. That's how we do that. We do that yeah. through faith, and it puts our problems behind him, which is really Well, it's a good reminder. I mean, you got the Hebrews 3 that says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Then you got the Hebrews uh, 12 that says, so fix your eyes on Jesus. I mean, after you, he reads all these, these giants of the faith. Mm -hmm. And then Hebrews 13 that I think you referenced last yeah. podcast, <clears throat> you're fixing your walk with Jesus because he's like, he suffered outside the city gate. I mean, he was comparing this, what they were trying to go back to, which was basically Jewish nationalism. The, the temple. Yeah. yeah. He's not, he's not in the temple. He's, he's outside like, the city. He's outside gate. with the people. It's like, yeah. uh, and the, the point I was going to make is I think you do it. You know, when you go public with your faith, kind of getting back to that illustration I said about Billy Graham, you just affect people wherever you go. I mean, I just, I went on vacation, but the most meaningful things outside of my family that happened was just the people that I sat beside on the plane. I mean, mm -hmm. the first guy was a, uh, he was a manager at Walmart, which was crazy because our duck calls got, you know what, we started swapping Walmart story. But at some point in there, it got spiritual. It mm -hmm. just, and so then, I mean, later on, I gave him my email because it was such a deep, and I, he was a believer, obviously, mm -hmm. the deep spiritual conversation. Well, then when he wrote me the email, when I got back home, I was like, oh, man, that because I didn't think it was that big of a conversation. Right. But you have someone who's a believer, runs up on another believer, you have a big, meaningful conversation, kind of what we're doing on this podcast about Jesus. But I could tell he was using this as a launching pad, you know, moving forward. So it was really encouraging. But then, so I get off the plane, I go to the next plane. Well, it was a young woman 
who was a software, uh, real intelligent. I'm not sure she was a believer. I don't think she was. But when she was asking, I mean, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, how do I answer that? <clears throat> what do you do? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, she looked at me and was like, what do you do? I was like, well, it's complicated. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm a, I, do, I, I remember do. in Athens, you're trying to explain this yeah. to a girl from Afghanistan. She's like, what do you do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. let's, let's take a break. So I was like, well, I was on, I'm an entertainer. I was on a TV show. Well, oh, really? What show? I, you know, I do a podcast. Oh, what podcast? Well, you, the conversation got spiritual. Mm-hmm. Now, from her perspective, since she didn't seem like a believer, she was asking me questions that she was curious about in life, which yeah. was perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, so what do you think? You know, I mean, how did the... I mean, what is, what is your take on how we all got here? It was things like that was perfect, just like softballs, just boom. And uh, so it was it was a meaningful, you know, conversation. But on the way back, same. I, there was a guy who owns restaurants that I actually had met before, which was embarrassing. But uh, I sat beside. <laughs> oh, I met you before. But and the and and it just went down the same. Uh, you know, rabbit hole into having Jesus conversations. But it kind of hit me when I got back off the plane. I thought, you know, I had five. I just thought back to the in the just in the airport and on the airplanes. There were five God uh, instituted conversations that happened about Jesus that I know the fruit of that. And it really wasn't like I purpose. I purposefully said Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on a plane and I'm gonna you know witness to the part. Mm-hmm. It was just normal conversations that came up. That if that's what who you are and what you do, that's the exactly. things that are gonna come <clears throat> up. Is... And then once it went down the road, well, guess what? This matters to all of humanity. Mm-hmm. All humanity makes mistakes. They want to have a purpose in life. They want to be a part of a group of any kind of group, whether it's spiritual or not. They want to be a part of something. They wonder about what happens after death. They wonder how do we fix the the problems in life. And uh, you know what's funny is most of their their answers were, uh, you know, all around the political system. Mm-hmm. And I'd just flat out say, I'd say, they can't legislate love. They're not going right. to figure out the, the world's problems. This is what the Apostle it. Paul is talking about when he says, let your speech be seasoned with salt. It goes back mm-hmm. to the salt and light thing, and you're being squeezed because people can see your light and they can taste the salt yeah. uh, and what's coming out of you. And that is, I mean, it, it's part and parcel to exactly what we're talking about in, in Hebrews 11 here. Hebrews 11 is set up at the end of Hebrews 10, and the entire point that he's making, he's talking about uh my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in anyone that shrinks back. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so we get to the end of this and we were, we were talking about this in the, in the last, uh, our last time together, but we have this reference to these people we call the others. Uh, and the world it says is not worthy of them. They didn't receive anything that was promised. And, and I made the point that, you know, it, it's one thing to believe for some earthly outcome, but a true measure of faith is uh, how, how long can you wait 
and trust and not receive anything because your hope is not in this world. It's it's in, you know, we don't grieve like those who have no hope mm-hmm. uh, because something better is coming. coming and, and you have Jesus in, in the book of Revelation in chapter 12 and verse 11, and it says that this, this throng, those who have been redeemed by Christ, they have come around this, this throne of God, and there's the Lamb bearing the marks of death in the center of this throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who was, who is, and who is to come. And they overcame the world, all its problems, sin, Satan, everything else, by two things. One is the blood of the lamb, mm-hmm. and the second is the word of their testimony, and that's what you're talking about. Yeah. When, when you're squeezed, when you're in a conversation, Jesus is going to come out because Jesus is your life, and your that's life is you coming got. out. Yeah. And then the back part of that verse, you ready for this? To tie this back to Hebrews, is that these people were not afraid or did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from yeah. death. The exact same phrase that is being talked about here in Hebrews 11. It's amazing. It really is. Al, was you going to say I was going to say two things. One is you mentioned that full of grace and salt, our conversation, which means Mm -hmm. this full of what Jace was talking about. It's it's full of grace, meaning it's it's about what God has done for me. But then it's also full of salt, which means it's spicy. I mean, Mm -hmm. in other words, it's interesting. You know, right. it's willing to talk about stuff. I like that Jay says that you don't have to plan that. You just be who you are. And we all know from yeah. this podcast that Jay's can tell a tale, right? Yeah, and so, can. so God can use that for someone else to be blessed, which is a, a great blessing. I wanted to mention just to get us back to Hebrews 11, 20 and 21. We Last time on the podcast, we brought up Isaac and Jacob. And mm-hmm. I just want to give a little bit of, of a thumbnail about their lives and then talk a little bit about that uh, the rest of the way to get us to, to okay. Moses and Joseph and Moses, who I personally, Joseph's the most interesting person to me in the entire Old Testament, but I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let's take our last break. So Isaac, the son of the promise, his wife winds up having, tw- she's pregnant with twins. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought, and, and Larry, I'd be interested in your take on this. I've always thought that because Esau, so you have Esau and Jacob, and as they're in the womb, they're they're wrestling, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like the idea of this is what it's like. We've been talking about this idea of choice because you got right. these two sons. Esau was supposed to be the son of blessing and the son of birthright, but he he didn't, and it, it went it went to Jacob. But God had already predicted it was going to happen, right? right? I mean, Rebecca knew. But all this deceit and everything happens for him to get this blessing. And then basically Esau was one of those kind of guys. I think he would fit into our family. He liked to hunt. He liked to fish. He didn't care much about hanging around the tents. I mean, he sounded like dad's kind of guy. Would sell, his, of- would sell his birthright for one piece of a backstrap. Oh no, it was a bowl of soup. <laughs> bowl of soup. <laughs> Gumbo. But it probably it probably had backstrap in it. Yeah. Uh too fat. I mean, because I've, I've had moments in the wild where I come out I'm so hungry. Yeah. At that moment, they're like, because I could see somebody like Willie manipulating the situation. It's like if you let me move up to the birthright one leg, I will. You know, I will Man. give you this bowl of etouffee, and I'm like, okay, give it here. 
brotherly love, hey, tr- man. Right trust me, trust me. When we were growing up, Larry, there, a lot of the birthrights uh, surround did surround food because yeah. we sat at the at the table in a certain order. And it went downhill. There's no doubt uh, about it, which explains a lot why no, Jeff is all like All fights started over food, Al. I mean, I literally, we, I rolled around in the yard <laughs> for a year. I mean, added all the uh, time up. No, I, over, I totally understand food. it. Yeah, and my I, wife helped me. She, she intervened in my life like 10 years into our marriage, and we just had our anniversary. Mm-hmm. But about 10 years in, she said, here's the deal. Because I was critiquing her cooking. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that because she was calling me a food snob, which <laughs> she I've realized later that that wasn't a negative thing. But, yeah. you know, if somebody called me a food snob, I thought she was like wanting to go to war here. Yeah. Which it just means I'm real particular con- about what I'm going to eat. So yeah. she said this line. She said, you got to remember, in my family, we ate to survive. And in your family, you survived to eat. Mm. And I said, <laughs> yep. That's it. Yeah, you hit it. No, I, ding, I, ding, I, ding. I understand this. I, I I spent 25 years in a fire station. You know, yeah. a bunch of guys, and food hit the table. Yeah. I mean, and there's no adult supervision whatsoever. It's just like, yeah, no. There's, so, I, I get so it. So to my point, when I was on that plane talking to the software, the young professional, mm-hmm. I said, no, no, where are you from? She, well, she was from the place where we were going. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, look, I need to know the top two restaurants mm-hmm. where and so she was like well you know this place i was like no i don't think you understand just food quality if your life depended and, and the whole country depended on you you representing a place to go eat so people would say yes this was good and we could mm-hmm. save the world mm-hmm those are the places I want. So think about thing. I don't want, I want you to take your time and think about what well, I was telling Missy about this. Cause when I got there, I was like, this woman said to go, there was a place called fiddlers. I was like, I mean, I, I, I put the whole country on that decision. Yeah. And that's what she said. Cause Missy's like, we already have other plans. I'm like, you don't understand. I looked into this woman's soul and mm. she's lived here her whole life, and I made her make a decision, and that's what she came up with. Mm. Well, guess what? They didn't want to go. And so the next night, I'm back on it. I was mm. like, because they're like, where are we going to go eat? Because it was too far. I, I don't know what all their reasons were. Yeah. So I go in and buy a hat. Uh, we were Everybody was shopping, and I, I, I saw it, the ultimate treasure hunting hat, and so I bought it. Well, the girl working behind the counter, I said, let me ask you a question. Have you lived here? How long you lived here? I said, what is, what is the place, if your life depended on recommending a place to go eat within a five-mile radius of this place, wherever you go? You know what she said? The same place the other woman said. Mm. I walk outside, all families, I said, we're going to this restaurant tonight <laughs> the foot is down yeah and they said well what if we can't get in i was like oh we're getting we're getting in there yeah we, i don't care if we wait till the place closes and we get a carry out mm. so we go there long story short and guess what it was fantastic mm. I don't even know why I'm telling this story. I don't story. know. But, but I, I, I mean, I was like, why are you so opposed? Crazy. We never have arguments like what you just saying. 
Yeah, well, I don't no. like to eat out as a general rule. <laughs> that, but that we're never... here. We're going to eat out. I'm like, go talk to the people. <laughs> put the pressure on them to yeah. make the decision. Yeah. And then when you have the answer, do everything in your control to make that happen. Don't try to avoid it and just, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So I'm saying, I guess my point was, I feel sympathy for Esau in that moment because I yeah. understand, but he did make, that was a yeah. bad decision. He went, to, there's a there's a line you cross. Yeah. See, but why just stay at the house and you say, uh, you, you, got, you got 20 minutes, <laughs> we got 20 minutes, there to, it is. then we'll walk out the door here. You say, what's waiting on you in the food line? Well, she got up early this morning about daylight, so I'm having pork roast and dumplings. Dump Miss Kay. Well, I get it, but look, the rest of the <laughs> world. Word was spoken. I knew Dad was going to. The rest of the Dad was going to say, "That's why I never eat out." <laughs> Phil, your answer to everything is just don't move. Just don't, don't, move. don't leave. Don't, move. don't, don't change the thing. Yeah. Don't change. The don't thing. do it. <laughs> don't turn it on. <laughs> Throw it away. Don't do it. I mean, after a while, when like, supper time no. comes, she's got something ready. When dinner time comes, she's got something ready. No words spoken. None. You got to remember, you always have two choices, survive or live. Yeah. There's a difference. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. Uh, <laughs> look at you! Look at you playing the role. Look, look at Larry playing the role of Al, yeah. trying to I'm get us play this card. Right? Here, I mean, I'm just yeah, looking back at to this. Hebrews. Is by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to what? Into their future. Okay, and yeah. so we have this younger son getting this blessing. Why? It, why does this require faith uh, for Isaac to do this? You you hit on it earlier because God said. Okay, so this is why we're moving from he's he is going something completely counterculture, because he's he's given the birthright to the second son, and everybody in his life is going to go what a moron. Mm. You can't do that. But I trust the character of God in regard to my son's future. So I'm going with God here, not what everybody else demands from me in this life. And this is the lesson of yeah. faith. And so he, God has put, really, he's put Isaac in an impossible situation. He's put Noah in an impossible situation. He has put Abraham in an impossible situation. This is going back to Numbers 21. This is what Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about in verse 14. Just as, you know, that Moses lifted up that snake, everybody's snake bit, they're all dying, sitting there on the desert floor, and God says, all of you are in an impossible situation. The only way out is through faith. Yeah. And so if, I, if I'm, I, you know, I was in emergency management for 25 years, city of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Let's say there's just poisonous snakes coming into a city of 400,000 people, and the mayor calls, and we have an emergency activation of the EOC, the Emergency Operations Center, and I stand up and propose a response plan. And, and I'm like, okay, what we need to do is we need to make a bronze snake and put it on the pole on top of City Hall and just have everybody look at it and believe that we're going to be okay. You think the mayor and city council is going to go, oh, that's a good plan, Lair. <laughs> this is exactly what is going on in the desert. Yeah. And it is by faith that, and this is what I'm saying. He set it up and he says, I, I, anybody that shrinks back from faith that tries to save their life, they're not going to make it. You're yeah. going to die. You got the snake venom in you. And the only way out, it, it makes zero sense. 
mm-hmm. zero sense to the world. This is a this is not a thing that we can apply human logic to. And so his whole goal is to bring us to the end of ourselves, to put us in an impossible situation and not shrink back from going, no, I'm going to do what God said. I'm going to trust the character of God. And that is what faith is. And so even when I am in this flesh and I'm still struggling with sin in my life, it is the absence of doubt of the character of God that keeps me safeguarded by faith. Mm -hmm. That's the shield of faith that I take up to extinguish those arrows and the daggers and everything the world's throwing at me. Mm -hmm. That's what safeguarding my inheritance that is kept for me in heaven. And it is through faith. But even, even now I'm saying like for them, I see it. It wasn't logical. It wasn't reasonable, but now for us, I mean, we're reading this. He supplied his word. And even though we can't see, I mean, I can't like Hebrews 3, 4 says, you know, every house is built by someone. But, well, we didn't see every house being built. So how do we know they were built? I mean, mm-hmm. well, the design, you know, and the point he then says, but God is the builder of everything. But we can use reason and logic based on what we read to say, okay, God has a plan. And, and when i Surrender myself, like you're saying. I'm going to be okay no matter what happens. Right. I mean, I'm 100% convinced of that. But even mm-hmm. now, I think the when he gets to the end and said, combine with us, he, he made us all perfect. I mean, their, their life was harder because they were having to reason into something that we didn't even – I mean, they didn't have the resurrection of Jesus. and Right. But so I do think – my point is, I, I do think when he said we, we understand, there there is some – you know, once you experience Jesus by reading the Gospels, mm-hmm. even though you weren't there, by reading the book of John, you you actually have the same experience that, oh, you're seeing the character of God through what you read, which right. is different than any other book, which, which is then compelling you, you to say, well, wait a minute here. Which, ca- yeah. which causes you to worship. I like this. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, mm-hmm. blessed each of Joseph's sons. <laughs> And worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. Mm-hmm. He's sitting there. He's he's got it in here. His faith is is geared inside That's his right. brain pan. Right. Yeah. You know. And he, you see what I'm saying? He's being squeezed. Oh and yeah. That's what's coming out. Oh yeah. At, at the end of his life, we're out of time. But I do want to say, I know what the mayor of Tulsa would have. I know what the mayor of Tulsa would have said to you, Larry Bowes. He would have said, you know what? They need a guy like you in Oklahoma City. <laughs> and that yeah, would have been the end uh, of that. So. That was 19, right, 1995. So we got, yeah. <laughs> we, got, uh, 50, we got 15 more minutes of overtime with Larry Bowles on his trip this time. So if you want to cross over and hear a little bit more about Jacob and Esau, do that. BlazeTV.com slash Unashamed. We'll see you in the overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.